the axe of the blood god. <laughs> Welcome to another episode of Axe of the Blood God, US Gamer's official RPG podcast. I'm your host, Cat Bailey. With me today is Nadia Oxford. Hello, everybody. Uh, you can't see us, but we each have a cat. And I am legitimately thrilled to be talking about literally anything today except loot boxes. <laughs> yeah. We're kind of looted out for a bit. Just a little bit. Uh, all the outrage is kind of out of me now. It's just like, yes, I've. I've been covering this ad nauseum for the past week, and yeah. it just, every time I think, okay, I've said my piece, there's nothing else to cover with this, EA comes out and does another thing, <laughs> so, yeah, it's pretty ridiculous. They want to keep the topic fresh, apparently. Yeah, no, like, EA fresh. just will not let this die, seriously, but, yeah, this week, uh... uh while everybody's been focused on this Battlefront 2 loot boxing, unexpectedly strong week for RPG releases. I mean, we got uh, Divinity Original Sin Definitive Edition on the PC. Uh, I've said before, strongly recommend, uh, not Divinity Original Sin, gah, Pillars of Eternity, <laughs> the other one. The other one. The other PC RPG. They're all the same. They're not really the same. Uh, Pillars of Eternity Definitive Edition that's out on PC from Obsidian strongly recommend that uh, you should uh, Skyrim mm. is out on the Nintendo Switch and to my everlasting surprise Mike says that it runs really well on the Switch even in portable mode I am shocked Nadia legitimately I, shocked I, th- I basically I think I, I see where Mike is coming from here because he's right this is basically a last generation game running on the switch and I, I can totally understand why it runs fine and that, that seems to be the case I mean he said the bugs are all there but that's just Bethesda being Bethesda uh, I think he said like uh, and during the cart scene his one of the guards like switched sides like three times or something <laughs> like that. yeah that sounds about right uh yeah, no, he says it's not a straight up, it's not a straight port of the PS3 slash Xbox 360 version, that there seem to be some upgrades from the special edition uh, that came out last year. Oh, okay. Yeah, and the, the screenshots look pretty nice, yeah, they look to fine. be perfectly he, uh, honest. He had some really nice uh, side-by-side comparisons of uh, docked versus handhelds, and you can't, really can't tell the difference. You know, I did not think that I was going to get Skyrim on the Switch because, God, I've played that game in so many different iterations over the years. Yeah, same. But, and I've never, like, finished it because it's just a matter of, uh, okay, yeah, I'm out of energy. But you know (laughs) what? I think Skyrim might actually be a great fit for the Switch. Yeah, um, I can see that being the case, especially something we're going to talk about soon is uh, Xenoblade 2. Uh, Chronicles too, and uh, that's a great fit for handheld. So, I'm not surprised Skyrim is as well. Yeah. Uh, so I'm going to England next week, uh, next month actually, Ooh. and which is going to be fun. But that's a long flight uh, from San Francisco. That's like, oh, at least ten hours. Which is it's a longer flight than it is to Japan. It's pretty exhausting, and I have a. A schedule, but I always try and get a nice meaty game to keep me company. And I am li- this is my first transatlantic flight with a Nintendo Switch. <laughs> it's a good choice for a transatlantic flight. You know what I got on that thing? I'm going to have Mario Odyssey. Mm-hmm. I'm going to have Xenoblade Chronicles Two. I'm going to have Skyrim. 
Oh my god. Uh I've got I still gotta finish Sonic Mania. Holy oh, yeah, crap. Yeah. Talk you're, about you're what an embarrassment stuck. of Talk about what an embarrassment of riches, Nadia. Now, the question is, uh, are you going to have a power plug? <laughs> because you're not going to last long. Well, I'm flying hours. Virgin. Oh. And Virgin usually has power plugs, and they usually have power plugs on international flights. Yeah. So I should be fine. If, I'm, if I don't have a power plug, then I'm not fine. No, then you're not fine. Uh, I haven't flown Virgin. They flew out of Toronto for a little while, and they just stopped. Mm. So... Oh, sorry. I'm sorry that Virgin forsake forsook you. They they have forsaken us. Uh, I hear they're a good airline, though. Yeah, Skyrim itself. Uh, a lot of people like to dump on it, but there's a reason that it's lasted so long, and it's not just the mods. Mm-hmm. I, it's the I, I think the, it's the freedom that it gives you. I the kind of forge your own path. It's one of the only open world games where I legitimately feel that I am part of that world. That I yeah. have a stake in that world and that I'm not just watching some rando character wander <laughs> around a very pretty but very artificial landscape. Yeah, yeah. I find the thing that the reason it lasts for me is because there's no other game is quite as much fun to talk about. When you get together with friends mm. and you all start talking about Skyrim, you all have your own stories, whether it's about some quest you took or whether it's about some crazy ass bug you came up against. It's yep. just fun to talk about, even now, years later. I mean, Absolutely. And could it be better? Absolutely. I I think they definitely went too mainstream in the way that, I mean, let's be honest, you can upgrade your characters so that they're good at everything. Yeah. Yeah. Right. You can have like, I, no matter what you try to do, no matter what kind of build you try to do, you always seem to end up with fire in one hand, cool sword in the other. (laughs) And not me. I'm always an archer. Usually or bow, or we end up doing bow. Bow, and you snipe everything from a distance, and it, it, yeah. you get the double head, you get the double damage for headshots, and everyone's a one kill. Because the bow is just too dang good. Yeah, like I remember, I got to the end of the Mage College quest. Yeah, and I was in this dungeon, and I just sat in the rafters and sniped the boss, the very powerful <laughs> boss who was shooting this evil lich lord or whatever. Yeah, I think I did that too. <laughs> who's shooting fireballs and things at me. I'm just sitting in the rafters sniping them. I mean, come on. <laughs> and they're like, I'm very powerful. Get down here. Get down here. Hey, I'll get you. Hey, hey. <laughs> Stop that. Stop it. No. Ow. Ow. <laughs> it, was, it was pretty anticlimactic, let's be honest. Yeah, but it's pretty hilarious, too. It is pretty hilarious. But Skyrim, out on Switch. Another RPG that is also coming out on the Switch uh, in a couple of weeks, which, man... It's weird that it's not getting more hype than it is, but I suppose that people are a little down on the uh, the character designs uh, is Xenoblade Chronicles 2. Mm-hmm. But you have been playing this, Nadia. You are into it right now. Uh, and you wrote a preview of it, so yes, you I can share, officially share your initial thoughts. What are your thoughts on the first couple hours? Uh, it's very much Xenoblade Chronicles 2. If you liked the first one, uh, I see no reason why you will not like this one. It's a little bit convoluted at times. There's still things I'm trying to figure out about it. But generally, you're looking at the exact same atmosphere, the exact same experience almost. Um, I'm very much enjoying it. And so far, I think I'm not the only one. I've read a couple of other previews, and they were all enjoying it. Uh, the character designs, like, the, there was, I remember there was a whole controversy around Xenoblade Chronicles X, too, because someone was underage, or, and they were aged up, and everyone cried censorship. 
uh, for, for Nintendo oh of America, God. and I guess that was the start of that fiasco. Uh-huh. Um, but it's kind of just, it is what it is. One thing I've noticed is that Pyra, I think her name is, she has she looks ridiculous, of course. She has those like booty shorts going on. But the thing that I noticed is she has an adult woman voice, or at least like you're talking about someone who's like in their 20s, clearly. And that bothers me a lot less because it's like, okay, you're an adult woman or an adult woman living in a sword, whatever your deal is. Uh, you can dress the way you want. Um, I g- tend to get a lot more bothered by it when it's, you know, some booty short girl who has like a, the voice of a 15 year old. Or that super high pitched, uh, yeah. breathy, kind of whiny little girl voice. Exactly. And Pyra is not like that. She's not like uh, an airheaded uh, Moe chick. She's. For a, a sword girl, she's pretty down to earth. I, I like her quite a bit. So I really, if all the, I haven't met any other uh, crazily dressed char- female characters yet. The other female I have met is like that tiger girl, uh, Nia, and she's dressed regularly. She has that really cool tiger uh, sidekick, though. He's awesome. Draw Mark. Um, but I haven't met any other uh, scantily clad women. Uh, if they all talk like adult women, then I honestly don't have that much of a problem. It's fan service, yeah, but in not the kind that really disturbs me. Hiran was saying that the voice acting's pretty bad. <laughs> Hiran's out of his mind. The voice acting is remarkable. It, it's like, uh, well, first of all, he's like, these are all Americans pretending to be British, and I looked up a couple of voice actors, and uh, sorry to tell you, but I think uh, most of them are British natives. Uh, he got really mad, though, because I said, I don't honestly, because we hear him all the time uh, on like in our meetings, and I said to him, um, I don't really hear the difference between you and them. And he's just like, <gasps> <sighs> And I said, well, now you know how I feel, because people are like, uh, oh, you, you sound so Canadian. And I'm like, no, I don't. What the hell does a Canadian even sound like? So, I mean, you do kind of sound Canadian. <laughs> well, there you go. I don't even know what the hell a Canadian sounds like, but I guess there's a, there's a, uh, a voice we have. I mean, never mind. It's that- kind of the flatter, flatter accent and definitely emphasizing the O's and the O's. <laughs> so the, the whole Aboot thing isn't a stereotype, then it's actually true. Uh, no, I've actually literally heard a boot uh and i'm told that it's much more maybe uh nuanced than americans like to make fun of it but hey when i was growing up i thought what's the big deal minnesotans don't have much of an accent are you kidding we have the most neutral accent that you're ever gonna find (laughs) and then fargo came out and i was like wait people don't talk like don't talk about that elsewhere (laughs) but that's funny what <laughs> and i honestly i have a fairly neutral accent i i don't have i i don't go full on oh yeah sure yeah sure you betcha oh don't you know and everything but every yeah, once in a while while i'm hanging out here in california i'll be like Min- uh yeah i'm just going back to minnesota and people will like just cackle <laughs> and i'll be like oh damn it i did it again i can feel the o oh coming on without even like wanting to so but, the uh, point is that even if you don't think you have an accent, you totally have an oh, accent. You totally have an unless, accent. Unless and you live in Ohio, which is the official neutral accent of the United States. And that's where it's that's the middle, and then it kind of goes either way. But um, but my God, English accents—they're all over the map. So saying, really "Oh are. yeah, I can't tell the difference between you guys." I, well, some of them are like more Cockney than others. Like, um, sure. I have uh, I have Northern Irish uh, relatives, and and they have a they have a fantastic accent. I love it. Uh, when my grandmother passed away, we had a whole bunch of Northern Irish relatives there, and I'm like, oh my god, this is nostalgic as hell. Uh, but honestly, I the voices in Xenoblade Chronicles two—you're looking at basically Xenoblade Chronicles. 
Uh, there are exceptions. Uh, Pira has like kind of an American accent, quote unquote. The bad guys have American accents. Um, but uh, what's his name? The uh, Rex. He he sounds a lot like Shulk. Shulk mixed with Ryan kind of has that like more informal British accent. Uh, this is the power of the Monado. Yeah, exactly. It's kind of endearing. And I can understand, I suppose, why, like, uh, Hiran and uh, I think uh, Tom as well was like, well, we don't sound like this. This is, this is all very fake. Harum, sure harum. British, British, British. <laughs> I say this with all love to our British listeners. Um, so, Nadia, what happens in the first couple hours? Like, can you just kind of walk through it? Yeah, basically, um, you have Rex, who's the protagonist, and he lives on the back of a, a small titan named, he calls him Gramps. You, you find out who he really is a little bit later, but that's spoiler territory. Uh, he's a salvager, which is, the game opens with him diving for treasure, and he uh, brings it up. That's, it's a really nice intro, actually. It reminds me a lot of the first game. Uh, very relaxing. Uh, he's, since he's kind of a money-driven guy, he's recruited to take on a salvaging job uh, with these really experienced blades. Uh, blades are basically the people who can wield the um, the naked girls, <laughs> or whatever you want to call them. Like, basically, the, the blade, a living blade is, like, you know, the monsters, the, the girls, the, the people who, the weapons that come to life, basically. Uh, so he's recruited, uh, and he's uh, quickly learns that he's uh, was kind of recruited to be used as a, to un- as a biological unlocker for this, uh, for the, uh, the weapon, uh, Pira. And um, so he uh, gets stabbed in the heart, He's brought back to life by Pira, and uh, they uh, go on a quest, number one, to find Elysium, because, of course, they're JRPG protagonists. They have to find that, like, you know, ultimate dream quest. And two, of course, to find out what the heck is going on, why are these guys after Pyra, what do they want, et cetera, et cetera. So I'm just kind of meandering around the world right now, doing this and that. Something that jumped out at me in your preview is that people who are playing this game are looking for a Gar Plains moment. Like, what does that mean to you? Uh, basically, did you play? You played the first Xenoblade, right? I did play the first Xenoblade Chronicles, and I do remember the first time that you step onto those planes. And first of all, you're really struck by the scale and the scope exactly. of the environment, exactly. uh, which is a great feeling to have whenever you're playing a game like this. It's just, it's huge, and yeah. you see monsters running around and everything. And plus, that really kick-ass music is playing. Yeah, and there's there's a sequence very much like that, a little bit later in Xenoblade Chronicles 2 versus the original game. But um, there's you do come into this area where there's just this huge sweeping plane and monsters. And even Breath of the Wild, which is like one of my favorite open world games ever, isn't quite as lively as this is. Like you see monsters everywhere. You see animals everywhere, you know, doing their own thing. Some of them are aggressive. Some of them aren't. Some of them will get really irritated if you attack like their babies or their friends. So you have to be careful to, to where you're going and what you do. But it's still like a very almost realistic moment it's like being amongst real animals uh you have to be careful how you move how you act amongst them it's a it's just a very like free feeling how much better than it does it look in person than the original wii game um quite a bit but mostly you notice in the the character uh details like the faces for example uh i think the faces in the original xenoblade are a little bit I don't want to say hideous, but they were definitely low res and kind of blurry. And regardless of how you feel about the character designs this time around, they do look a lot crisper. Um, the environments are still like, I, I love the Xenoblade environments. So those still look fantastic. I, I think that just being in HD 
really makes a big difference versus the original game. Like, I don't want to slag on SD games too much, but it's it's tough when you've moved on to an HD monitor. And I know a lot of people (laughs) were finding, were basically ripping the game to their PC and then playing mm-hmm. it on the Nintendo Dolphin, oh yeah, so that they could properly enjoy it in HD. And I was, I was one of those people. Oh, like I, I ripped the disc and played it on an emulator. Hey, I bought the game, dang you! Don't give me any <laughs> crap for doing this. So no I can do whatever I want with that game. But yeah, so but it you know it obviously did not look good on regular uh, on HD TVs. So it's. I, I think the single biggest upgrade going on right here is just the fact that it's going to be in HD and it's probably going to look really good in handheld mode, which you were kind of saying. Yeah, I've been playing actually exclusively in handheld mode. I need to try it on SD. Uh, mostly, I don't. I've been playing it on handheld primarily because I don't want to annoy my husband because the the endless banter, of course, is there. Like I'm really feeling it, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, when you go into battle, you can turn it off, but I kind of <laughs> don't want to. Unless I'm playing Puyo Tet. <laughs> Uh, Puyo Puyo Tetris, which is the Switch mainstay for me and one of my friends. Uh-huh. Uh, like, if I'm playing that, we always play on the TV because, I mean, we could play on handheld mode, but it's just easier to do split screen on the TV. Yeah. Um, unless I'm doing that, I play Switch in handheld mode 99.9% of the time. I, I usually go back and forth, but uh, I, I do want to try, of course, before I would write my review, I'm going to give it a good go on TV to see if it's the graphical quality is any different sure. because uh, there are several Probably games that, better. Yeah, that, up, that upscale quite a bit on the uh, in the docked mode. Beyond, to be honest, like often, so I have this nice kind of L couch in my office. Mm-hmm. Usually I just, I bring my Switch in there, uh, bring with a cup of tea, which I put on my windowsill <laughs> and uh, play whatever the heck I'm playing on either the 3DS or the Nintendo Switch. And that's kind of like my happy place that's for nice. playing games. Yeah, because my couch is broken in the middle. <laughs> I, really I have, a, need a, new I have a reasonably comfortable couch my tv is big enough now that i don't feel like i'm gonna go blind trying to crane my neck across the room uh mm-hmm. staring at it uh like i have a really nice setup all things considered like um 4k tv and the whole works but i don't know like i think going back back in the day when i was like in elementary school or whatever mm-hmm. i always really appreciated the game boy because that little screen accentuated all of the details if that makes sense yeah and I, know what you mean. I the fact that i was playing with headphones allowed me to enjoy the music a lot more yeah absolutely and and, and i've never sound trip and i've never really left that behind and also the game boy <laughs> And then later the GBA were often my primary consoles for a long time. I simply did not have the elite setups that everybody else did. (laughs) Uh, For me, it was also, um, I had had brothers and, you know, they'd always be like, hey, what are you playing? This is stupid. This is dumb. And so... (laughs) This looks dumb. So I, I'd be if I was playing on my Game Boy or or whatever, I'd just be like, "Oh, this is my nice private quiet place. No one's gonna bother me. No one's gonna ask me what are you playing." This looks yeah. Stupid. And when I had my Game Boy, I could tuck myself in the corner and nobody would bother me. Mm. It was great. Yeah. And then I didn't have to talk to anybody. That was always I nice not having to talk to people. Yes, I I was I was one of those kids. I was not gregarious at all. I used to, one of my jobs when I was a custodian uh, at a mall, like I knew all these tunnels and all these like nooks and crannies. I would brought my, I would bring my Game Boy Color to work with me and kind of like hide in a corridor and play Dragon Quest Three. 
Nice. Yeah, it was pretty awesome. So last thing, uh, how does the customization, like the uh, growing your character, the progression, that kind of thing, please tell me that there aren't any loot boxes. I'm feeling a little (laughs) triggered right now. No loot boxes. It's okay. Thank you. Thank you. Everything you find, you find everything on the floor or at stores. You're good. (laughs) You can't pay your way to level 99 in the first hour. Nope. You got to. I got to save time. If I'm you, a very busy person. <laughs> no, if, you, if you're a busy person, this probably isn't the game for you, because I think it's going to be at least 80 hours. Wow, jeez. Yeah. yeah, I mean, but the previous game was quite long as well. Exactly. Um, but basically, it's a little different in that uh, you don't have weapons, sorry, you don't have armor. Uh, and that's one thing that disappoints me, is you don't like change uh, physical appearance as you equip stuff. Um, you have accessories, you have two accessories, you have, a slot, you have slots for those. Um, and your blade is, of course, your weapon, and you level that up by, number one, you can buy, like, chips that you install into the, the blade. That's the simplest way. Uh, number two, and this is interesting, your blade kind of has a, a chart that powers, that as you play, different, as different circumstances power up your blade. Like, for example, Pyra, when she cooks something for the first time, uh, she learns a, another skill related to cooking, for example, or if you kill a certain amount of a, of a certain enemy, uh, another skill will level up. It tells you what you need to do to get each of those skills unlocked. So um, you can either do it consciously, or you can... I've done a lot unconsciously, just kind of done my thing and realized, oh, I, I learned a skill. Like, of course, it tells you when that happens. So there's that. There's, there's a whole bunch of stuff, really. It is a little bit uh, complex. I'm still trying to figure it all out. That sounds very confusing. It is a little bit confusing, but you... It, it I'm kind I'm getting into it. Like I remember the first game confused the hell out of me too. So my main takeaway is you can attach things to your sword that will power it up. Mm-hmm. There's circumstances that will power it up. Is mm-hmm. it temporary? Those circumstances or no, is it long term? They're permanent, and there are also there are temporary okay. power ups. You can give yourself uh, by equipping like certain food items, uh, certain. You know, drinks. You can equip food. You can equip. Food. Or you can like drink food and become can, more powerful. You can. And actually, this one thing is. Ah. Uh, one of my uh, blades, I can't remember which one, I think Dromark, the, the tiger, he, if you give him a certain kind of uh, meat, it doesn't tell you what kind, just like it's a meat item, he'll he'll power up. But I haven't discovered which one it is yet. Yeah, meat will always power you up. All meat that protein. powers me up. <laughs> is there a skill tree? Uh, yes. It's more of a skill semicircle because your blade has them and also your character has them, but it's not really a tree. So the previous Xenoblade Chronicles gave you a whole mess of skills to choose from, and then you had to equip those skills, and you basically chose your loadout. Is it similar in Xenoblade Chronicles 2? So far, no. So far, it's, you uh, again, like the the blade, you... um, Actually, you know what? I'm trying to... Yes, okay. So when you... It is like Xenoblade Chronicles in that as you fight, you gain skill points, and you can feed those points into skills. So it is a little bit like that, but it's, like I said, it's more of a semicircle than a tree. Interesting. I, I like loadout. Like, I enjoy games where I have to choose a loadout mm-hmm. because I like making those choices. Yeah. That's one of my favorite things to do in an RPG is just to have a hard choice and then have that choice pay off in yeah. a much improved character. So, But then if what if you misstep and you screw up and your, your character doesn't improve? And these are the things that go through my mind whenever I, uh, whenever I have a character to, uh, to customize. One more question. 
in Xenoblade Chronicles, one of the key aspects of the combat was you would have party members who all kind of had their own specialty and you would swap them out and that was a key part of the strategy especially when you were fighting bosses are you perceiving that in xenoblade chronicles 2 so far yeah um right now i'm on my own but rex has pyra who's one of his blades and he can also switch out like between other blades as well uh he finds these crystals these core crystals and when he touches them he bonds to a blade Uh, i have pyra and have two generico boring ass blades uh, you can tell they're generic because they don't get encyclopedia entries. Uh, there's an encyclopedia that tells you who the blade is. It has like a sample of their voices and who drew them, which I think is really interesting. Uh, but I think for the more generic, you know, more common blades, they don't give you anything like that. But the blades do have different skills. They have different elemental attacks. So, yeah, it's uh, you do have that strategy going on. Plus, uh, with your when you do have more than one character in your party, you can link up special attacks for some really what? big attacks. Which has better music, Xenoblade or Chronicles or Xenoblade Chronicles 2? Uh, they're both pretty incredible, frankly. Awesome. <laughs> I, uh, good music. That's all I'm looking for. Yeah. And, oh, all right. So, very cool. So, I'm really glad to hear that So Far So Good was Xenoblade Chronicles 2. And it sounds like it's just going to be the cherry on top to a great year for the Switch. Yeah, I'm actually kind of surprised they didn't hold it back until next year because... This has been like a, I guess they just did not want a repeat of the the Wii U where they had nothing going on for so long. So you, they say, you know what, you people, you want these games? We're gonna shove them down your throat. Not Open just up. the Wii U, but the Wii, where they 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 did the right thing. They really front loaded it, and I hope that they can. I mean, how can you match this year with next yeah. year? This year they had Breath of the Wild, they had Mario Odyssey, like multiple major first party titles plus tons of really intriguing third-party games like Sonic Mania and that kind of thing. It's hard to top that. I, I just don't think you can. Somebody said that it was basically Nintendo going Super Saiyan <laughs> this year. It totally and is. It, it totally is. I, I just, not only, I, I think next year, I mean, we had two generationally great Nintendo games this mm-hmm. year, and it's just... Plus, uh, to mention like Splatoon 2, which is a, a great game and deserves mention as well. Multiple majors first party games i just they can't top that they cannot top that for next year no and i guess they don't really have to because uh Mm -hmm. number one i'm sure there's going to be dlc for mario odyssey it's just a feeling i have Mm. and breath of the wild yeah and breath of the wild which is well that 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 dlc is coming at the end of the year but they could always add more but not only that i i think that having seen the initial success of the switch i think a lot of publishers and developers Mm -hmm. are scrambling to get games up for it as soon as quickly, as soon as humanly possible. Yeah. And there certainly hasn't been a shortage of games, and the Switch continues to sell well, so. Yeah, it's selling pretty awesome. <sighs> Man, I'm so happy to be wrong. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, Kat, you were kind of wrong with that one, weren't you? I remember in January you said this was like going to be such a disaster. I didn't say it was going to be such a disaster. I laid out a roadmap to it being successful, but I also pointed out that there was a chance that it was going to be stuck between two worlds mm-hmm. where on the one hand you have mobile platforms which have become preeminent in a lot of respects and on the other hand like the switch can't possibly match the graphics required for modern AAA, right. so it's going to be at a major disadvantage when it comes to third parties which meant that nintendo's uh first party it was going to have to cut carry it and you would have to keep your fingers crossed for Japanese development, which is always a dicey thing. Yeah, that's true. And, I mean, I guess indies as well. 
And what we discovered was that Nintendo put out two utterly awesomely kick-ass first-party games and just kept the pipe flowing. And as long as you keep the pipe flowing, it's the game, stupid. (laughs) I think we've learned that more than anything this generation. It's the game, stupid. Yeah, and you keep them coming, people will want to keep playing. But not only that, the Switch is just... It's flawed in its own way, but it's so nice as a system to mm-hmm. play mm-hmm. in a way that the Wii U simply was not. The Wii U was annoying. Yeah, the Wii U was like almost like a half-realization of what the Switch ultimately became, because you can't take that tablet like too far away from the uh, the main system with the Wii U. It was slow. Yeah. It had not enough memory. The games weren't very good out of the gate. It was yeah. the diametric opposite of the Nintendo Switch. It was embarrassing uh compared to the ps4 a year later and uh, where uh, like it had a whole bunch of ports of games that had come out but they felt tired and old and boring as opposed to oh man now i can take skyrim on the go nobody's complaining about the fact that skyrim's a freaking six-year-old game at this point (laughs) all they're like is portable skyrim baby yeah and that's why the proof of concept of switch works exactly yeah Oh, I'm so happy. I'm so I was so worried that people wouldn't care about the handheld thing that I would be the only one who cares what people care. Which is good because uh now that more Japanese developers are on board, uh that makes me happy to see that that side of the industry get uh reinvigorated. Thank God because the 3DS is almost done and that mm. would be really heartbreaking for the games that we love to not have a home. Yeah. And speaking of the 3DS, let's talk a little bit about the Pokémon Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon. Which is out today, and I have been playing over the past uh, several days. And no, I have not finished it, and that's why I haven't reviewed it. I'm gonna write a I'm gonna write a thing today before the weekend, uh, some impressions. But I, I'm just I won't review it until I get to the end. And unfortunately, I made a mistake, Nadia. <laughs> <laughs> what did you do? Did you choose uh, Poplio? No, uh, my mistake was choosing Call of Duty. Oh. I oh, shouldn't have. No, it it was just that I found myself in a space where I took on too much work. Right. I I took on Call of Duty. I should not ta- have taken on Call of Duty. I should have sent it to Mike, but Mike was very busy too. We're very I should have sent it to pretty much anybody else, basically, because yeah. I do not give a f about Call of Duty. I just don't. <laughs> I cannot. I I sat and stared at my my word processor for so long, trying to write things i was so desperate to do to not play call of duty to find a way to not play it that i was like well better fire up call of duty now oh look middle earth shadow of war (laughs) (laughs) i fired up middle earth shadow of war rather than play call of duty let's go oh my gosh i should not be covering that game I promise I will never cover that game again. Yeah, that's one of those games that we should probably farm out to a freelancer who is really interested in that kind of thing. You know, probably. Because I just... I mean, Mike and Matt are perfectly... Heck, even probably Katie could do a very capable job of covering that game. But I... Like, I love Battlefield way more than Call of Duty. Mm -hmm. Just the core of the gameplay does not appeal to me. COD yeah. 4 was the last Call of Duty that I really enjoyed. And that was a Modern Warfare, right? Yeah, and it was because it was new and it was fresh and it was yeah. interesting yeah. and it was exciting. But, okay. So, anyway, and plus it didn't help that it was really buggy and it had a lot of server problems and blah, yeah. blah, 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 blah. So, that ended up being the crux of that whole thing. 
So that was my that was my first mistake. And then, of course, Battlefront 2 was on top of Pokemon, and Battlefront 2 has just been this entire, uh, well, shitstorm. And, but not only that, but like, okay, can I make it a, an admission, Nadia? I sure. like Battlefront 2. Okay. Yeah. Like yeah. I like playing it. it I enjoy fun. hanging out and playing Starfighter Assault. Yes, mm. I'm aware that it is utterly compromised, but it's here. It's in my hands. So <laughs> I just want to ride a Tauntaun. And it definitely has that very addictive, uh, just one more match kind right. of thing. But all people can talk about is loot boxes, and they're right. It is compromised, so I have to be a professional and criticize it. But mm-hmm. the fact of the matter is I've been very distracted by Battlefront 2. So I've been playing Pokemon as much as humanly possible. But Nadia, this is what I'm going to say about Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon. I just I don't want to play through the campaign again so mm-hmm. soon after completing it originally. Yeah, I've heard that, though, that the... Um the new stuff really kicks in after you complete the campaign, but there's that point that you have to complete the campaign again. That's how it is with every uh, Pokemon. And yeah. it, every third version. And yeah. every third version has its differences right out of the gate. So, for example, Pokemon Emerald, okay, your characters are green, but also they unite the Team Magma and Team Aqua story and make it the definitive version. Right. And you have extra dungeons in the whole nine yards. In Diamond and Pearl, you have this extra dungeon, and also it's snowy. Mm-hmm. Or they, well, I mean, it was already snowy, but snowier, and your characters are wearing it's like snow outfits. And it's cute. <laughs> That's cute. Uh, Black 2 and Black White 2, they're like straight up sequels. Yeah. And yeah. you start, I believe, in a different part of the map, and it's just very different, mm-hmm. even though you're still fighting a lot of the same bosses and that kind of thing. And then, but this one is pretty similar right out of the gate uh, to the original Sun and Moon. I mean, you have these androids following you around. Yeah, the Daft Punk guys. Yeah, they're there. And also there's uh, the totem Pokemon are different. Oh, okay. I didn't know so that. So they're, they're different, and I would argue that they're maybe harder. Mm-hmm. So more of a challenge this time around. More of a challenge. Just uh, a little bit more of a challenge this time around. This time around, I picked um, the 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 hipster bird <laughs> rowlet yeah i picked rowlet he's not a hipster uh, bird he's a he's a round good boy he's really good yeah he's powerful yeah like he i'm having a much easier time than i did with Litten because oh, so much because the game is front loaded with stuff that uh rowlet can beat mm-hmm. uh one of the earlier totems uh both uh, both of the early totems you can totally take out with a uh, rollet because rollet is strong <laughs> but though the second totem i was having a hard time because outside of rollet i had stuff that wasn't super strong against it right and i was getting overwhelmed really quickly Wow! and i just i want to pat myself on the back nadia mm-hmm. i am such a good pokemon trainer yeah apparently you are if, if you uh... even even at a disadvantage, I found a way to overcome the totems, even though I, I was getting, like, rolled. I yeah. was going, jeez, <laughs> man, I'm getting my ass kicked here uh, on the second totem in particular, which is, uh, I don't even know what the heck it is. It's some Pokemon that I haven't seen before. But it's big, mm-hmm. and it's strong, yeah. and it's totally kicking my ass. And so what I did was I found a way to get 
both uh, the totem Pokemon and its little assistant Pokemon, which was also doing a lot of damage, yeah. paralyzed Oh, nice. with a Flappy. With a what? <laughs> a Flappy. It's the little sheep thing. Oh, those little so sheep guys. They're so deadly. The Mareep evolves into Flappy, right. which eventually evolves into the electric, the shaved sheep. The shaved giraffe thing. Is that what that is? It's like a... It's not a giraffe. It's just a shaved sheep electric sheep thing uh it was introduced in gold and silver sorry if i don't remember it i don't remember all freaking 700 pokemon at this point (laughs) cat you call yourself yeah i'm no longer a pokemon master um (laughs) and i used cotton spore to slow him down so and then i i snuck in i snuck in another monster that uh had the charger bug that had mud slap mud slap lowers their accuracy oh nice and so I managed to get a couple of those in, and all of a sudden they were both paralyzed and slowed down, and they were using, and they couldn't always hit me. So they had like a one in four chance of actually being able to hit me, nice. which was enough to be able to come in with Rowlet and use work up to get strong and finish them off. And when I did, I was just like, yeah, Way team effort, guys. The- bring it in, bring it in. Oh, yeah, that's my <laughs> Pokemon right here. You can't hug Flaffy, though. He'll electrocute you. That's true. Don't hug Flaffy. It's strongly recommended that you don't do that. <laughs> yeah, because I, th- I think he's got that static uh, uh, side effect where if uh, yeah. touches him, they get paralyzed. Yes. Good job, Nadia. That is totally <laughs> true. I like yeah, Flaffy. Uh, well, and that is, in fact, what is happening because they were using an ability that was a physical attack mm-hmm. and were touching Flaffy and getting the static and getting paralyzed, which was... Uh, pretty crucial uh so then i went on to the next one uh which was the fire one the fire totem mm-hmm. and that one was pretty hard too because yeah, that'll destroy Rowlet. it's a giant marowak it's oh. a giant ghost marowak right yeah and they're fire and ghosts, i think fire ghost and i i put out Slowpoke because oh. that was my main water type mm-hmm. but unfortunately they were using hex and doing a lot of damage and taking out Slowpoke immediately and rowlet couldn't really do anything because it was getting crushed by fire attacks mm-hmm. but once again i was able to just barely get them paralyzed <laughs> get their accuracy down nice. and then it became just a matter of praying that rowlet didn't get annihilated yeah by uh by these attacks and uh, it was a near run thing but i was able to just pull it off uh i captured a fire type i have a fletchinder which is from uh gen five or whatever from the 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 kalos region x and y Mm -hmm. because every single region has its regular kind of normal type like the the bidoof oh poor bidoof (laughs) Bidoof, my favorite Pokemon ever. He's uh, so dopey. Yeah, no. The every region has its equivalent of Rattata and Pidgey. Yeah, yeah. Like uh, Alola has, I think Rockruff. Yes, Rockruff. Rockruff. Uh, and so the in the fire area, you can kind of choose between getting a Cubone and evolve it into the Fire Ghost Marowak. Mm-hmm. You can get a Fletchinder and evolve it into. Uh, the the full version which is actually it's very fragile but it's so much fun to use and if you have the secondary ability it basically always goes first if it's using aerial moves yeah very exciting i can't remember 
yeah, so if you can get it in and get a swords dance going, basically it's going to sweep the opposing team. And I, I don't know if it's still good, but it sure was last generation. <laughs> <laughs> well, it sounds like you're still getting challenged. Yeah, just a little bit. Oh, so yeah, I, I added that in because I wanted some more physical attack to my team. Right. So I've got Flaffy still. Mm-hmm. I've got the Fletchinder. I've got Rowlet, so maybe too many ghosts, or maybe too much electric weaknesses. I got Slowpoke. Yeah. Uh, and then, oh, and I got an Eevee. An Eevee? Yeah, I got an Eevee that I've been slowly leveling up, but I haven't decided what I want to turn it into. Yeah, yeah. I always liked Umbreon, personally. I'm leaning Espeon at this eh, point. I don't like Espeon. He, he looks weird. Oh, what are you racist against Espeons for? I'm just, I, like I said, I'm one of those people who, who raises Pokemon that look cool. So I'm like, I don't need a dark type, but I want an Umbreon. Well, I'm personally very partial to Vaporeon and Jolteon. I did like Vaporeons. And I, I have fully trained, a fully trained Vaporeon and a fully trained Jolteon and a Flareon that is my kind of contest piece. Yeah. I have yeah. a, uh, in uh, Pokemon Go, I have a Vaporeon named Bonnie Tyler, who's like my strongest Pokemon. Whenever I play through the story mode, I always feel like my team is super ragtag mm-hmm. and weak, and it's and I'm just ba- basically car- cobbling together whatever I possibly can. That's the fun, though. Yeah, I, I, it is, but I like having a team that feels really optimized and nice and cool. <laughs> I love two so, cannon. So having spare part Pokemon kind of annoys me. <laughs> <laughs> but... On. So I'm about to fight uh, another Kahuna, mm-hmm. and once I beat that Kahuna, I should be able to start importing some of my higher trained monsters from oh, Sun and Moon. Uh, Infernape, uh, I can't import Infernape un- quite yet, but right. and unfortunately, Pokemon Bank is not compatible. Really. Yet. No, they haven't released the patch. I, I'll have to check again now that the game is out, but the last right. I checked, the patch was not out. I actually need to check with Nintendo on that front. Um, yeah, definitely. That's important. Uh, when the, the, the update is coming. But uh, yeah, so I, I'm kind of waiting on that. So I can't uh, import all of my monsters wholesale into Ultra Sun yet. Yeah. But I can, I do have an extra 3DS lying around and I can totally trade with myself. <laughs> that sounds like the loneliest activity ever. Just trading Pokemon with myself. There was a great uh, Penny Arcade comic from like 2006 or 2007 when Diamond and Pearl came out and they discovered Pokemon was cool for the first time. (laughs) And they were going through the different types of Pokemon uh, players and one of them was, I trade Pokemon with myself. And I'm like, oh yeah, that's me. (laughs) Oh, that's me. Yeah, so I will import a couple of op pokemon and yeah roll through the I, rest I was, of the story i was undecided like um i really like litten and i love my uh uh the uh, i can't remember the evolved form's name uh i know i named him nakamiaura after nakamura <laughs> uh but incineroar that's it but yeah i'm like oh it. but i want to do rowlet this time around so now i can have both why not both? maybe go for the water one i mean it eh. doesn't seem so bad I, i'm kind of cute i love water i'm a water elemental person but i just don't like Poplio. Oh, I'm a fire elemental. That's me. <laughs> we clash. Uh, no, not really. No. Uh, I think fire and water can exist in harmony and be really cool. Okay, maybe not. But 
So this is what I'm going to say, Nadia. I think that Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon is probably going to be good for hardcore players. Mm -hmm. Uh, It adds a lot of stuff right out of the gate. Uh, There's a cool surfing mini game. Yeah. And admittedly, it's pretty superfluous. But I think you get battle points at the end, uh, which is very useful for being able to buy items. Like you need BP to be able to buy items. It's a total grind to get BP. And every and because you can't import your items, you have to buy all of them again. And the items oh. are really crucial when you're playing competitively. Yeah, of course. And also, uh, they, you have to use them to access the move tutors who are also in this game, who right. teach your Pokemon new moves. That is a staple of third versions. Another cool uh, feature is you can take pictures with your Pokemon now. <laughs> you can do f- cool photo shoots. It's a... Uh, what is it? What is it called when you go into the photo, the Japanese photo booth, and like you take a whole bunch of pictures and you put lots of like stickers all over your character, people, oh, I know your what you face, mean, but and I don't everything? Know what it's called you would know better. You would know better than I would. Yeah, no, it's a whole like culture, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, just getting in with your friends and being like, oh yeah, like yeah, peace <laughs> sign. Oh, like lots of pictures. I notice that stickers oh, and draw fire. a whole bunch of stuff on the touch screen and everything. That's basically what you're doing with your Pokemon. Wow, and you can share it. I hope. Uh, I don't know about sharing. I have to check into that. But I can't believe that it didn't take long. It took this long mm. for it to be a thing. Yeah, I agree. I'm actually. I mean, are you serious? This is this was a thing when I lived in Japan, and <laughs> it's such an obvious thing on the DS. I'm sorry. Yeah, that's that's a little surprising. But uh, yeah, no, it's uh, it's pretty cool in that regard. This is what I'm going to say, Nadia. There shouldn't be a third version ever again. A third version of any Pokemon game? Nope. This should be it. Uh, Ultra Sun, Ultra Moon should be the last quote-unquote ultra upgraded version. From now on, it should be pure DLC. Oh, yeah. That's a that's a good point. Um, I do wonder if that's going to be the case, though. I mean, I'm pretty sure the third versions of, e- of these games all, all sell pretty well. Oh, I'm sure. Uh, but I think that they're out of excuses. The Nintendo Switch can accommodate DLC. Mm-hmm. It's frankly annoying that essentially I'm buy- paying for a full-price game to get what amounts to DLC. Yeah, I It's agree. really rich, full-feature DLC, don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. It's adding a lot of, like, cool extra stuff, like the photo booth, the 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 mini-games. There's going to be tons of extra content once I actually finish the game. Yeah, but you have this to This is the, the definitive game. version, but oh my god, are you really making me play through the campaign again exactly. just to access it? Yeah. No, see, I agree with that because uh, my time is precious, people. And I'm, as much as I did enjoy Pokemon uh, Sun and Moon's campaign, I don't know if I want to go through it again so soon. As you say, it's only been a year. Yeah, I mean, they would say, well, I mean, this is for the people who didn't experience it the first time, and now they have a reason to come in and get the upgraded version. The entire but what they're really it. doing is getting you to double dip because they yeah. know that this is for the competitive players. Yeah, All exactly. of the features are for the competitive people. The all of the little additions, all the high level content, all of the move tutors are mm-hmm. for people who are hardcore about Pokemon, and they're like, "Yeah, we know you're gonna double dip. What are you gonna do about it? <laughs> Stop that, Nintendo. Stop that. I agree. This is not this is not a roster update thing anymore. Okay. Yeah. In in Madden, it used to be, oh, you have to buy an each version because there's no way to update the roster you're going to have outdated rosters by the end of the game or end of the year so you need to get the roster update 
now they push roster updates for free online each week Mm -hmm. okay the internet exists (laughs) dlc is a thing when the new pokemon comes out on the nintendo switch that should be it you should be turn it into a platform yes i use those words platform and you should push i don't i don't i don't want it to be i i I don't want it to be free Mm -hmm. i am willing to buy an expansion pack yeah absolutely it's more uh, of the principle of the thing going through the campaign again. I don't really want to do that again. I will totally buy periodic expansion updates that add in various parts, new features, new modes, whatever. Mm-hmm. But please don't make me do this again. <laughs> <laughs> and that's all I have to say about that, Nadia. I'm looking forward to playing it. Oh, no. It's it's all right. It's still Pokemon. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm... I'm I'm kind of curious whether this is going to be what gets me back into it mm-hmm. because I've been very out on Pokemon. Uh, I really enjoyed Sun and Moon. I really did. But yeah. the gap between waiting, finishing off the game and waiting for Pokemon Bank really killed the momentum for me. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. But I want to do uh, the Team Rainbow stuff. Oh, God. there was a, a, a hilarious post I saw on Tumblr. Uh, about how Cyrus, who all but wanted to blow his brains out in, uh, I think he was in Diamond and Pearl, you know, he finally gets his nihilistic, gray, emotionless world, or whatever you want to call it, and he gets pulled into Alola, of all the places. <laughs> happy, sunny, colorful Alola. I love Alola. It's great. One of my favorite regions by far. Oh, me too, but I'm sure Cyrus doesn't agree. It's like Hoenn, but good. Yeah. <laughs> Hoenn's the worst region. Screw you. Screw all of you. Hoenn is so boring. There's only one redeem. Hoenn has exactly one redeeming quality, and that is that it has contests. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The contests are rad, and I suffered through. Uh, I forced myself to play Omega Ruby and Alpha Sapphire, like, so that I could get every single ribbon for my Flareon. <laughs> before I uh, exported it over to Sun and Moon because it wouldn't be able to go back once yeah. for some reason. It's so annoying that I can't shuttle them back and forth, yeah. but whatever. I, I guess Flareon has been in- infected with code or something. Ew. But <laughs> yes, thank you. All right, Nadia, that is... Uh, well, I'll have more thoughts on the post-game content next week. Hopefully mm-hmm. I will be all finished with Ultra Sun, Ultra Moon, even though we have a short week next week because yeah. of Thanksgiving. Which, uh, yeah, we'll get into that in a bit. But uh, let's talk about the ninth Final Fantasy IX report. Yes, 999. Nadia, mm-hmm. what has happened since we last talked? So, what was. So, last time we complained a lot about the Desert Palace, we for sure. We complained a lot about the Desert Palace. We bitched a lot about it, justifiably, I think. We, uh, you got an airship. I got an airship. I You're chased... free. Lots of things happening now. Yeah. I chased down uh, Kuja to this uh, upside down castle. And that was a pain in the ass to go through because you have to equip weak weapons that are, they become strong because it's an upside down castle. You get it. Um, and I found uh, these mirrors that are supposed to go into the shrine so I can open the path to Terra, which is where Kuja is from. And, uh, so that was interesting because I dropped off party members at each of the shrines, and we all did it all at the same time. And, like, for example, uh, I was uh, with um, 
I think it was with uh, Quina, and we went to the Earth Shrine, and uh, like uh, Garnet and uh, Eco went to the Water Shrine, and and uh, some other went to the Fire Shrine, et cetera, et cetera. The point is, I went. We each, we each went to the shrines, and the four fiends were there. Uh, that is the uh, the Lich, the Tiamat. Uh, I guess the Kraken was in the water shrine. We didn't see him. I guess I get the feeling that whole sequence was a little bit rushed because uh, even though we fought the Lich, and we we saw the fire. Uh, I can't remember the name of the fire fiend, but we saw her and we saw Tiamat, but we didn't really see them. We didn't fight them. We didn't even see them in battle with the, the other party members. It was just like. Uh, it was just uh, Zidane against the Lich, and that was a little was, disappointing. It, it really was a little bit disappointing because I'm they're obviously trying to do a shout out, and it's like, hey, here's the four fiends. I'm like, oh, that's so awesome, and then. Oh, but not only gone. that, but the shrines. Yeah, they they were just there, like literally in a yeah. hallway. <laughs> well, that's done. It sure feels like maybe in their original concepts, they're like, and then you have to go to the four shrines yeah. and defeat the four fiends to open up the world, the road to Terra. Absolutely. But then they were like, oh, God, we're out of time. We need we're to get this time. game out of here. Uh, well, we're just going to have to keep the one shrine, and it's not even going to really be a shrine. It's just going to be, you're going to fight the Lich. <laughs> yeah, and I don't even know if they called them a Lich. They didn't, they didn't call the fiends by their names. I'm just remembering them from, like, Final Fantasy I. Uh, so we did that. We uh, opened the path to Terra, so I went in Terra. And that is where I found out uh, what Zidane is and what his purpose is, and I met Garland. He will knock us all down. Except, so, uh, TL- so TLDR, uh, everybody's a robot. Yeah, um, here's the thing. They're all uh, empty vessels, and apparently Garland wants to combine the world of Terra, which is his world, with our, uh, you know, uh, Zidane's world, his adoptive world, which is Gaia. And the souls that are sleeping in Terra will occupy... I, it wasn't very clear. <laughs> I just kinda, it's a, it's pretty confusing it actually. Is a bit confusing. But what it comes down to is that Garland wants to hijack the circle of life. Yeah, exactly. It was actually quite a bit like the Lunarian subplot from Final Fantasy IV, which is you have the moon, and you have the Lunarian sleeping on the moon, and they're waiting for humans to evolve to a point where they can accept them or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it didn't stop one of them from like making babies with one of the Earthlings and making Cecil and uh, Golbez. But anyway, uh, you have the bad guy at Final Fantasy IV who says, no, I want to wipe out Earth so we can take it all for ourselves. So it's kind of the same thing going on with Nine, where uh, Garland wants to wipe out all of the, er, all of the life on uh, Gaia and let Terra's like, people uh, occupy the empty vessels, which are people like Zidane, and populate uh, Gaia. So Yeah, it he- seems like the Terrans were basically the Borg. Yeah, yeah, they, they used to totally assimilate bored. planets. Yeah, they are, and they all have tails for some reason. That's one thing I just don't get. <laughs> because that's what differentiates them from us. I don't know. Uh, apparently, uh, sure. Why not? I mean, this is and a, this... also the crystal is involved. Oh yeah, the crystal. I, I I realize that I'm looking at the crystal because when you you see the crystal when you're in Terra, and I'm like, oh, there's the game logo. Finally. Yeah, I mean they they it's very different from well first of all they were like the crystal returns like that was a huge thing with yeah. final fantasy 9 but really it takes the bulk of the game for crystals to even be a thing and it's very different 
from what they did in Final Fantasy, say four, one, two, three, yeah. four, and five, or it's whatever. Elementals to them. It's just basically the yeah. crystals are where the souls are kept for each planet. Like the the mm-hmm. the way they're um they're trying to populate Gaia is to disrupt the flow of souls in Gaia so that the stagnant souls, I guess, just kind of dissipate, and that way, instead of being recycled and reborn, uh, the Terrans can just kind of take over and. Uh, I don't know, like take a, a fan or something and blow away all the mist and <laughs> yeah, take whatever for themselves. But the upshot of all this is that there are these empty dolls where mm-hmm. the souls are supposed to go. And Zidane is one of those dolls. Yeah, except but it's not he, quite empty. he's special. He's he has special purpose. Doll. He's a special doll. He's a special doll. Him and Kuja. Kuja, like, of course, Garland is like, you two are like brothers. And Zidane's like, I'm nothing like him at all. He doesn't yeah, have a tail. That was that was the one thing he latched onto. I'm not like him. He doesn't have a tail. But apparently or he does. Does he? He does. He hides it apparently. Yeah, well, I mean, wouldn't you? No. No, I totally no, tails wouldn't. are kinda cool. Uh, tails are rad. <laughs> uh so yeah, no, Kuja was basically lore in the data lore uh con- thing from Star Trek. That's so, right. Did you you watch Star Trek, right? A little bit. I know a little bit of the lore. St- uh, get it yeah. uh so lore was the first version of data mm-hmm. and lore had emotions and lore ended up being chaotic and kind of evil and a psychopath frankly and was eventually taken apart and stored away until they could figure out what to do and version 2.0 was data yeah <laughs> who did not have emotions because they hadn't really figured out how to make that work yet and when of course they reactivate lore lore is very bitter toward data and kuja <laughs> is very bitter to uh towards zidane because Z- kuja feels that he has been kind of tossed aside yeah yeah he they kind of met like garland kind of goes into that a little bit saying that kuja threw zidane down to earth or, or something like that yeah it was like kuja kidnapped zidane right and kind of brought him down there and then zidane was doing his own thing and everything <laughs> but yeah, Zidane has a little bit of an existential crisis, doesn't he? Yeah, he does. He um, that that was a thing that happened. Uh, because here's the, here's my problem with the sequence. Vivi already goes through an existential crisis in the game, and I feel it was handled so much better. Uh, frankly, Zidane acts like a bit of a brat. Uh, he, mm-hmm. you know, is actually Vivi who tells him, "Hey, you know, cheer up or whatever." You're trying to make him feel better, and Zidane tells him to shut up. And it's like, don't talk like that to Vivi. I'll backhand you across the freaking room. But uh, I will say though, uh, you have um, "You're Not Alone," which is a great song. Mm. So here's a question: If you, if you found out that you were a doll, would you like go crazy? Probably not. Mm. I, I, I'm I'm not a nihilist, but I don't really believe that I'm much more than a, a human being who one of billions and billions, and you know, a soulless. You wouldn't be able. You'd be able to handle being a soulless construct that was created for a specific purpose. Well, I don't know if I'm soulless, but um, <laughs> I don't know. Because <laughs> I mean, that's what Zidane is, really. I mean, he is a a machine uh, that broke away from its original purpose and is just kind of doing whatever. Yeah, right? so is Vivi, so. and he's just like, oh well, uh, my the whole point of life is to make it what I what I want to make it, not what someone else says I have to be. And he's right. Yeah, no, he is totally right, and that is one of the major themes of final fantasy 9 which we totally discussed earlier mm-hmm. and so zidane 
he thought that he was better than Vivi. He thought he was better than everybody. And then he discovered, nope, uh, everybody's a robot, including you. <laughs> That's a good title for like a kid's book. Bo- uh, kid's book. Everyone's a robot, <laughs> including you. I feel like they actually could have been a very interesting contrast between the two if they if hmm. they focused on it for more than five minutes because like you have that sequence where Zidane's uh, friends are talking to him saying like, you know, we're still your friends, et cetera, et cetera. And it's very anime loving sort of stuff. And if they had made it more of a plot instead of the final, like, ten minutes of the game or whatever, because I know I'm getting close to the end, I probably would have respected the sequence a little bit more. I think that they were doing that because having existential crises in a JRPG were totally in fashion back in 2000. (laughs) It kind of was, wasn't it? But then again, Tara had hers in in 6, and that was 1994. Yeah, no, that's true, but... His is much more reminiscent of Cloud's existential crisis. Yeah, and Cloud, to be fair, takes the whole game to go through his. I mean, there's actually, uh, in Dissidia, uh, when Cloud fights against Golbez, Golbez's uh, taunt to him is, you should have had your answer by now. Yes, exactly. So it's a case of Terra, Cloud, and Zidane, in one way or another, are not who they think they are. Right. Uh, they are something else. Uh, right. Tara is part Esper. Yeah. Uh, Cloud is, well, he's not a soldier. He was never a soldier. He ended up taking on this role from a, a real soldier, and he has to come to cr- kind of grips with that. Yeah. And, uh, and Zidane is like, I'm a lovable rogue, and I don't know where my home is, but one day I'm going to find my homeland. <laughs> oh. So... <laughs> Uh, and they all kind of deal with it differently uh and they all have their kind of existential breakdowns yeah i think of the all of them i think tara's is allowed to breathe the most because they make it one of the just key elements of the entire plot and you kind of learn it relatively early right yeah you do and also tara has two crises going on she finds out who she is okay that's fine and then she discovers later uh well what does it mean to be half human and she kind of has to realize that through the kids that she winds up adopting in mobiles yeah she has two storylines going in both parts of the game which is fine because it takes a long time to discover who you are and what you're about. Oh, I am a half human woman. Well, I found meaning in raising children. Okay. <laughs> yeah. uh, and Cloud, it's more of a surprise. Cloud, right? yeah. Cloud kind of like gobsmacked me the first time I saw it. And a lot of people like to see it as a kind of deconstruction of the traditional hero, mm-hmm. in especially in a game like that. And I think it mostly works in that i think that the whole sequence where he brings himself together uh is interminable i hated it whenever i played it and i think it's the weakest sequence of the entire game Muse is good um where and then as you said in final fantasy 9 it's much more of a it's very much a surprise yeah (laughs) now this is what i'm gonna say is while they don't give it nearly enough time to explore it mm-hmm. and Zidane's reaction is, as you said, kind of not like a brat, but over the top. A little over the top. Yeah. I think that it definitely does tie into the major themes of the game, mm-hmm. which is uh, you are not the sum of your parts. You can find your own purpose. Uh, 
just because you're a robot or whatever doesn't mean that you are lesser than anybody else. So. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's not a bad message. It's just I feel like next to the way Vivi got so much exposition and so much explanation and so much, uh, it was so well fleshed mm. out. Zidane is, uh, he's a little bit different in that Vivi doesn't know from the start. And he, he's con- he's concerned from day one, like, who am I? What am I doing? And like, he's yeah. getting his answers. He doesn't like what he's seeing at first. Whereas uh, Zidane is more self-confident. And uh, that just kind of falls apart under him. And that's a that's a major thing. And to to just kind of dilute it into this one sequence, I don't know. I feel like, I feel like it could have been done better. Uh, I, I, I don't think you're wrong in that regard. Uh, and we even see a little bit of Vivi's backstory and how he kind of was raised and grew up. I love the bit where it's like, hmm... You are not big enough yet. Yeah. Perhaps I will eat you later. Yeah. <laughs> Always so hungry because it's like the same people as Quinna's tribe. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so. Uh, uh, so Zidane uh, had a major thing or it had a major revelation. And of course, of course, the main theme of the story ties into the the river of souls, mm-hmm. the cycle of souls. People die, story. then they go into uh, the earth or whatever, and then they come out again, uh, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So. And friends are the best, number one. Friends are the best. <laughs> you can always rely on them. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, but yeah, as we discussed before, this was a definitely a major theme at the time of final fantasy which i suspect that was kind of a sakaguchi thing yeah i guess yeah i guess it would have been uh i can't remember how if eight really had that going on so now we've seen the the big revelation about zidane uh how are you feeling about all this i I pretty much covered what i what i thought about the reveal um kind of uh i guess you can't really have an rpg hero without some kind of crisis or existential angst (laughs) existential angst even like a happy-go-lucky one like zidane so i I was surprised but not too surprised put it that way and and like i was saying it really fits in with the overall themes um as for the fiends i mean it's really cool to see them back in final fantasy 9 fighting the lich and all that yeah i only wish that part of the game had been a little more fleshed out i was kind of surprised at how anemic it was I really by the way of... when you said fleshed out that uh-huh. was very canadian of you <laughs> fleshed out okay out that's not yes. ooh though that's ow. okay yeah, I, can, out, I can understand that but it's it, it was very distinct to me uh <laughs> yeah I, I think that part definitely could have been fleshed out in in a weird way even though final fantasy 9 takes so many elements from final fantasy the original final fantasy i would even say that the original final fantasy probably plays probably gets the most references out of anything between the fact um, that you have the dwarves and Garland and the fiends and all that stuff. Yeah. Even the music in some parts, like uh, we talked about last time, how Mount Glug Glug has the same music from Final Fantasy one, which is probably one of my favorite tunes in the game. Just the way they Mm. remixed that is really neat. Mm -hmm. And then they mentioned mole people, but didn't see any moles. But it's kind of sad that it's like, uh, but how can we cram all of this stuff in here? Yeah. Uh, it, it's, it's like, like we got crystals. How can we cram them in? <laughs> I got a handful of crystals. We got to cram them in there. I was a little disappointed because I really wanted to. I wanted to fight like Tiamat and uh, I can't remember the name of the mm. the fire fiend Lilith or Lil Marlith mm. or something like that. Well, never say never. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure they'll be back at some point. 
I think it's funny, or I think it's interesting that the original game had Garland as a character who sets up a stable time loop where he's always mm. getting revived and becoming more powerful and becoming kind of the god of chaos. Yeah. Uh, and that this Garland uh, manages a very different loop, which is the loop of souls. Yeah, that's a good point. I never, I never thought of that. I thought like, okay, well, it's Garland because yet another shadow to Final Fantasy One. But no, you're right. He does kind of have that loop thing going on. Yeah, the original Garland hijacked time, and this one hijacks the souls. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I have to say, the uh, for Final Fantasy One, for such a simple game, that story was pretty good for its time. Yeah, definitely. Okay, Nadia, as usual, we do the comments from the readerships, and this week we uh, had a lot of conversation from the readers about uh, Yuna, who last week we said that uh, Dagger was maybe our favorite female protagonist in in Final Fantasy IX, and that we kind of dragged Yuna a little bit. <laughs> we and, did, didn't we? And Kuninino says, I want to stand for Yuna since I feel like she's one of the most memorable heroines of Final Fantasy. Well, I agree with Kat that FF10 is Titus' story. I completely disagree that Yuna is relegated to just a love interest. The entire journey revolves around her. Titus is following you the whole time, and it through her reputation as a summoner's daughter and FF15 that it gets its emotional beats from. Needless to say, she's very important, and her arc is a touching one that reaches one of the best bittersweet conclusions you'll ever see in a video game. So if you want to count FFX2, she gets even cooler. Yuna is better than Garnett. Hashtag truth facts. Mm. <laughs> and then Kuninino adds Lightning is woefully underappreciated and her sister Sarah even more so the 13th Sage saga had some good female characters PSS can Nadia compare Chrono Cross to Final Fantasy 9 oh that's an interesting idea they're, they're very different games aren't they like mm. but you are crossing between different times and spaces in them right uh, yeah I guess so Although when I think about Chrono Cross versus uh Final Fantasy Nine. I think okay. Final Fantasy Nine tries its hardest to to pay tribute to every Final Fantasy before it, whereas mm. Chrono Cross takes pains to separate itself from Chrono Trigger, even though it does t- still have that those story elements in there. Which is one of the things I feel clashes with Chrono Cross is that it tries to be Chrono Trigger's successor, but it doesn't do it very well. And that's not a knock against the game. It's one of my favorite games of all time, but I just don't feel like it's a good successor to Chrono Trigger. And Chrono Cross is such a a mind uh, a mind f, which is it, like it really is. Stuff like, uh, it stopped right around the time that you become the villain. <laughs> that was really confusing. That The whole yes. story is very confusing. Um, yeah, and that's the thing about, you play Chrono Trigger, of course. You know, it's a very simple but very good, meaty story. Mm. Mm-hmm. Chrono it's Cross. It's fairly straightforward. For it's very straightforward, part. for the most yeah. part. Chrono Cross is not straightforward. Yep. Uh, Johnny Boy 407. Oh, uh, Johnny Boy 407 wants to make a pitch for a bad SNES RPG. You'll recall that several episodes oh. ago we did bad SNES RPGs. Um, Johnny Boy says it's a ha- is Arcana. It's a HAL developed and published dungeon crawling RPG. Dungeons are confusing mazes due to the bland visual style, and the random encounters are so frequent that it's just a frustrating mess. Battles aren't very memorable. The game does not have much going for it. It's a pretty early SNES RPG. I mm. think it we was maybe 92 in NA. Ever played that one? Nope. Nope, never played it. And <laughs> I um, never played a game called Arcana, no. That's a very generic name, isn't it? It's a generic name, and not only that, um, I probably took pains to avoid dungeon crawlers like that because of the same reasons he, uh, he just listed with uh, the samey mazes that 
I don't find them very interesting at all. If I was going to play an RPG, I, I'd always want that overworld, you know, kind of uh, Final Fantasy perspective. Mm. And Funktron agrees that the Desert Palace is the worst. Oh, yes. Yes. Funktron says, I ultimately came back and finished FF9, but I quit that game for a year at that dungeon. All I can remember about is how tedious it was and how annoying the random encounters were. Plus, that was when I realized how slow the battle system was. Mm -hmm. At one point, I timed how long it was between entering a command and seeing it executed in battle, and it was over a minute. I liked the game on the whole, but it was a low point. Yeah, Final Fantasy IX, that is definitely my biggest complaint about it, is it is a slow-ass game. Uh, Mm. The battles, like, even Final Fantasy VII, I'm used to executing a command, and it's carried out pretty quickly if your ATB gauge is filled up. But that's not the case with nine. With nine, I always feel like I'm a step behind with the with each of the battles. But at least you have it, the accelerators, which makes it playable. Yeah. It might, if it wasn't for the accelerators, I don't know if I'd be enjoying myself quite as much, to be honest with you. And you can really enjoy all of the good things that it has to offer, like the really excellent music, mm. uh, the great characters, the wonderful yeah. and often hilarious writing. Yeah, I'm, I'm really glad that Square Enix thought to, to put the accelerator in. I do wish that you could control the speed a little bit more, but... I'm just glad it's there. All right. We will be heading on to finish up our Final Fantasy IX run, I assume, next week. Uh, You're pretty close to be done, Nadia. And, of course, we'll have more stuff to talk about in terms of all of the RPGs, including I'll probably have more thoughts on Pokemon Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon's post-game content uh, as we head into Thanksgiving. Yay. Yeah, the year's almost over. I'm pretty excited. Okay. Nadia, uh, Axe the Blood God is a U.S. Gamer podcast. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, wherever podcasts are sold. Please do us a favor. If you're enjoying the podcast, leave us a review. It helps the visibility on the various iTunes places. And, and frankly, we love to hear from you. It yes, really please. makes us feel good about that. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at the underscore catbot. Nadia at Nadia Oxford. We stream every Tuesday and Thursday at twitch.tv slash US Gamer Net. Uh, on an RPG related note, Mike was just streaming Skyrim, so that's mm-hmm. exciting. <laughs> uh, and we also have our other podcast, the US Gamer Podcast, where you guys managed to avoid talking at all about the loot box controversy. We did. I can't even remember what we talked about, but it wasn't about loot boxes. Yeah, pretty much. So, yeah, you know, you talked about the, the stupid PUBG thing. Oh, right, right. We, we dragged you. I'm sorry, Kat. <laughs> we threw you Katie under is, the bus. Four Katie times is so over. wrong. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm sorry. If you're not going to freaking review a beta, then don't freaking nominate it for you uh, for game of the year. But and I'm sorry, a- but there is such a thing as a core experience in a finished game, okay? Yes, you iterate <laughs> upon that finished game, but let's let, let's not freaking add all this garbage, okay? So so come on the podcast uh, next week and give us what for. No. <laughs> <laughs> what I'm busy. Hell, I'm busy. I got work to do. I got a site to run. I can I only appear on like and, two podcasts per week. Sit there and gab about games. I'm on two podcasts a week. Of course, I don't produce them. Yeah. No, you don't. That's that's the trick is that I produce both of these things. Yes, yes you do. All right. Nadia will be back next Friday. Um, though we will be recording a little bit earlier in the week just yeah. to make sure that the podcast gets out on time. But until then, I've been Cap Bailey for Nadia and myself. We'll see you again. As always on Friday, and until then, happy adventuring. Yeah.